Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 148 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. Now, speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Also, if you want to keep up with the release dates or any announcements uh, regarding the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at delvingintoislampodcast. Again, delvingintoislampodcast for all the upcoming announcements. Now, delving into Islam is literally for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you, you know, just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life and, you know, just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast, inshallah, is for you. And uh, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is a continuation of the major signs of the Day of Judgment, where literally... Uh, I believe two two episodes away from from the finale, from the end of of the season, inshallah. Uh, and uh, you know, um, we talked about the, the the major signs. And last last episode, we talked about you know the fall of mankind and how it is related to the current status of, of mankind, of, of of you know of societies and. All these things, and you know, this is going to happen, like we mentioned last time, after the death of Jesus Christ, Isa people will come back and slowly will start doing what we're doing today. Except, and this this is something I didn't mention in the last episode, except for the technology part. You know, there, there's no technology. What we know for a fact that in the future, technology will be dead. It will be done. But that does not stop people from sinning, right? People find ways to, you know, you for example, indulge in usury, adultery, uh, you know, slandering, uh, you know, committing sins, and you know, drinking alcohol. All that does not, none of that requires technology, and that will be it. This is will be the true beginning of the end. Because think about it this way: so, so far we talked about how many signs. Uh, the, the, we're talking about the major signs, of course. Al-Dajjal, the Antichrist. That was, again, none of the signs were mentioned chronologically. The Prophet did not say this was going to come before this and this is going to come before this. But the scholars have made educated guess about the you know the chronological order of the signs. So, again, based on the unanimous consensus of the, 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 the order, the first sign will be the Al-Dajjal, the Antichrist. Then the second sign will be, you know, the the second coming of the of Jesus Christ. Peace be upon him. He will come. Allah subhanahu wa taala will send him towards the end of time when you know the Antichrist is, you know, at the height of his powers, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa taala will basically uh, allow Jesus Christ to kill the jail. Allah subhanahu wa taala will actually take care of the Antichrist himself, but Jesus Christ will have a part to do with that. 
And then immediately, the third sign is uh, the nation of Gog and Magog, or the Juj and Majuj. They will come, they will corrupt earth, they will kill everybody, cause mass extinction. Jesus Christ will take the believers, and they will hide in the mountain of Tur, and mainly it is the one in Palestine. Then, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through a very tiny worm called the worm of Nagaf, will end the nation of Gog and Magog, or Yajuj and Majuj. Then, Jesus, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jesus Christ with the believers, they will come out of hiding and they will find that the world has been literally like filled with the bodies, dead bodies of the nation of Yajuj and Majuj. By the way, the numbers will be massive. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send uh, birds, certain birds, not from this world probably, and they will take all the bodies and they will disappear. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command uh, the skies to rain very heavy rain that will reach every inch of the world to basically clean the planet, cleanse the entire planet. And uh, Jesus Christ will establish an Islamic government, an Islamic uh, if you want to call it country and he will rule according to the sharia of prophet muhammad وسلم, the islamic sharia the islamic rulings he will follow the sunnah the actual sunnah of prophet muhammad وسلم, and a lot of the the the, the christians because there will be disbelievers who will be alive after uh gog and magog uh, but a, the, the, a lot of the christians and 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 you know the disbelievers in general when they see jesus christ imagine this when they see him in person they will believe they will become muslims because they're going to see him prostrating to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praying to allah he will say that he was never God, all these things. And, you know, basically the majority of some people will still disbelieve. Some people will even doubt that this is Jesus Christ. That's why there will be a lot of disbelievers on earth. But the majority, inshallah, will be from the believers. For once, you know, the, the majority of mankind will actually be believers and Muslims. And then Jesus Christ will, and, and it will be the best time, by the way, the best time the world will ever witness. The Prophet even said, I wish that I would able to live in this time because, you know, wolves will play with little children, snakes. We'll play with little children, no fighting, no nothing. It will, it will be a complete peace, peace of mind and actual physical peace, even between animals. Then Jesus Christ, like a normal human being, will die. He will be buried and he will be prayed on. You know, he will have a, an Islamic burial. And it is said that he might be buried uh, next to the Prophet. There's actually a spot for him there. So that is, you know, many, this is a big opinion of, you know, certain scholars. Then, you know, after he uh, dies, after Jesus Christ dies, little by little people will come back to do, you know, sins, minor sins, then major sins, then corruption will spread everywhere. And that will mark the fall of mankind. And this civilization, by the way, won't, this, this will be the final civilization, technically. Uh, there will be a few generations after. But again, this will be the final civilization, uh, human civilization on Earth. And now, here's the interesting part. The interesting part is that um, it seems like, for some reason, and I mentioned this before, all of civilization will be in the Middle East. Now, God knows what's going to happen. We live in the West, so we wish nothing, you know, harmful to happen to the actual lands of the West. But it is what it is. That maybe something will happen, um, and people will migrate to the Middle East. And because from all the hadith, from all the Quranic verses, it seems like the Middle East will be the final civilization on Earth. So, and everything else around it 
is just going to be scattered people and basically a wasteland, if you want to call it. Now, what we mentioned, the first three major signs, were human-related signs. Meaning what? The Antichrist is a human being. Jesus Christ is a human being. The nation of Gog and Magog, or Juj and Majuj, are human beings. These three, the first three signs will be signs that are human-related signs. There is a human factor there. Yes, Allah will give certain powers and certain things to someone like the Antichrist or someone like, you know, Gog and Magog. Yes, but at the end of the day, the signs themselves are humanly related to us. These are humans who will come out. They're the worst of mankind. And of course, Jesus Christ is one of the mighty uh, messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, at the end of the day, it is human-related signs. Then mankind will fall. Right after this, right after the people will start doing terrible things in the world, the next phase of the signs will be cataclysmic. So the first three signs will be human-related signs. The rest of the signs will be cataclysmic, will be basically nature. And I don't want to call it natural disasters because it won't be like that because some things won't be disasters. They're just going to be happening globally and nature-wise, but technically within the definition, they won't be disasters. So it's going to be cataclysmic. It's going to be something that's global and nature-wise, okay? So it's going to be the nature's turn, basically. The first sign that happens after the fall of mankind will be, and again, this is, we do not have an explicit text regarding the order or the chronological order of signs. So this could be shifting between other signs. We don't know which happening first, but again, this is all an educated. Now, we know that they're all, all the 10 signs. We know what's going to happen in them. And like I said before, some of them will be, will have more detail and some of them won't have any detail. Like, it's okay, what we know about them is this and this and that. We can analyze them for what they are, but we don't have deep detail of what's exactly going to happen. You know what I mean? But we know that the, the, the major 10 signs will happen. And we have, like I said, what the proof that the, how they're going to happen. And there's explicit verses, explicit text from the Prophet ﷺ. So this is not a problem. What we don't know is the exact order. That's why it's all an educated guess in, in terms of like, what, what's what's the order here? Okay. So let's move on with the first cataclysmic uh, major sign, which is the smoke. There's something called a dukhan, and dukhan in Arabic means the smoke, which will be a global smoke, a smoke that every single living being will witness, okay? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the chapter of dukhan, verse number, all the way from verse number 10 to verse number 16, Allah says what? فَارْتَقَبُوا يَوْمًا تَأْتِي السَّمَاءُ بِدُخَانٍ مُبِينٍ Allah saying, wait for a day, wait for a day, that the skies will bring smoke that will be clear to all of mankind. It will be an obvious smoke. You won't miss it. If you live, if you will live in that time, you'll never miss it. Smoke that will cover the entire globe. Okay, 
It will be a punishment for the disbelievers. And the believers will say, who will be alive at the time, O oh Allah, protect us from this smoke, from this punishment. We are truly believers. They never believed with the with the message of Islam. I sent him a clear messenger for me, the Prophet, Prophet Muhammad with all the commands, with all you know the Islamic commands, with the Quran and the Sunnah, and they completely ignored him. And by the way, we're not talking about the people who lived in the time of the Prophet. No, those are the people who are living right now. Ignoring the religion of Islam People who will live in the future Ignoring Islam People who will live even after the time of Jesus Christ peace be upon him And they will completely forget about Islam Because by the way like I said The majority of mankind will convert to Islam Those who are not Muslims Will become Muslims after they see Jesus Christ However Once Jesus Christ passes away They will just stray away So Allah is saying They had all the commands for me They had all the proof and they completely ignored it. Look at this. What did they used to call the Prophet They used to call him a madman. So Allah now is reminding us. They used to call the Prophet a madman. And when I protect you from the punishment, when I remove the punishment away from you, you come back to your disbelief. This is Allah knows us. This is Allah telling us who we are. This is addressed to the disbelievers who will make dua to Allah and who kept making dua to Allah whenever there was a punishment and Allah saves them, then they leave Allah. By the way, this applies to believers and disbelievers. Some believers, they when they go astray, when they, again, stay away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they lose their iman, they lose their faith. Allah gives them a trial. Then they go back to Allah. They keep making dua, oh Allah, forgive me. And we're not talking about, forget about the, the believers. The, let's say the average Muslims. Or the even below average. Then Allah saves them from their situation. Then once they're saved, they completely forget about it. And they go back to their, you know, being reckless, being ignorant of the religion. They don't practice. They don't do anything. These, this is for the Muslims. Also for the disbelievers, we're going to believe, oh God, just show me a sign. Show me a sign. I want to be saved from this situation. And then when they're saved, what happens? Ah, they didn't even mean it. You know, it's, it's sad that uh, I actually know someone who had massive issues in their life. And they took it as a sign that, okay, I need to become a Muslim. I've been researching Islam. I need to become a Muslim because this, I need God's help. I need Allah's help. They became Muslim. And then once they became Muslim, uh, their problems were actually solved. Most of the problems were solved, uh, as far as I know. Then, little by little, they started not praying after they used to pray. And then they were like, uh, their friends, peer pressure, I want to go for a drink. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know. Uh, it's, it's very restrictive, this lifestyle. And then they basically left Islam. And I blame myself and, you know, some of my, my colleagues and my friends uh, 
that we we should have done better in keeping that person you know safe and and you know educating them more Be, being a muslim does not mean you automatically become a believer just just keep that in mind my dear brothers and sisters you becoming a reaver you becoming a muslim this is the most massive step you'll ever make in your entire life will lie that that fact will never change however it's not enough because without proper knowledge without proper education what happens you lose your way and you might even leave islam because it's not appealing to your lifestyle islam by the way islam is the perfect religion but it needs practicing and it needs reminders allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself did that himself did that by he kept reminding us by sending prophets and messengers and we have to remind our brothers and sisters the new muslims and by the way the new muslims the, the those who were been muslims all of their lives we have to keep reminding ourselves islam is not a one off you know what i mean it's not an ad hoc project it's not like one time you do something you read quran and that's it you got it no islam for islam to be stronger within you you have to keep practicing it and you have to keep gaining knowledge that's the only way you're going to keep your faith at a higher level and again we always said faith drops sometimes but the the true believer increases it immediately learns learns and learns and then you apply whatever you were taught or whatever you gained when it comes to authentic knowledge and you become a better believer sometimes people leave islam because they they're lost they don't get support from muslim communities they don't get support from their friends their friends are like ah you became a muslim mabruk congratulations amazing and then they walk away we walk away we turn our backs because we were like you know what the job is done they are saved right they're saved they're muslims now wonderful but that's not the case yes they're saved but they won't be saved for a long time because guess what you abandoned them they needed education they needed to learn more about islam and that is again like i always say wallahi allah is my witness this is one of the main purposes of this podcast the main purpose is to share my knowledge and making dua to Allah for Allah to accept this and gives gives me good deeds to have a sadaqa jari a continuous charity when it comes to education you know ilmun yantafa'u bihi i want to after i long you know die and i'm buried in my 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 grave i want to keep you know inshallah gaining rewards whenever people you know listen to this podcast and you know gain benefits from it but also i one of the main purposes is to make the reverts understand more about islam don't just be like okay now you're a muslim wonderful welcome to islam goodbye that's not the right attitude and we do this a lot a lot of our muslim brothers and sisters they get so excited and they are genuine by the way they get so excited when but by the way whenever a non-muslim becomes a muslim even if they don't know them I get I get excited every time I receive an email from you guys saying I took my shahada today. I took my shahada 2 days ago. I'm now a Muslim. Wallahi I feel genuine excitement and happiness. And we don't know we don't know each other outside of the podcast. We don't. But it's because a life is saved for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. It brings me joy and it brings every true Muslim joy. However, the common mistake is we're happy, we're genuine, wonderful, thumbs up, you became a Muslim, and then 
And I'm not saying every Muslim, but many Muslims, they are like, all right, now you got it. No, they don't. Even us, by the way, people who were born as Muslims, you'll be shocked to know how many people lack the actual knowledge of Islam. That's why I always say when people say, well, you guys are lucky. You're privileged because you were born as Muslims. I had to, you know, fight my own demons, fight my own beliefs, fight my own family, fight my own culture to become a Muslim. Well, first of all, you get way more rewards than we do. Because we, now we always have a choice. Some people leave Islam, no problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like people who are not convinced with the lifestyle or whatever, they leave Islam. So we, we have a choice. However, you struggled and you fought to become a Muslim. That in the sight of Allah is far better than being born as a Muslim. Another thing, and this is, this is key here. That's, that's what I mean. People who become Muslims have way more knowledge than people who are already born as Muslims. You'll be shocked to see the amount of born Muslims who have the basic knowledge or the basic common sense when it comes to Islam. They don't know anything. It is key. We have to educate ourselves and educate others, especially people who convert to Islam or revert to Islam. They need us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this podcast one of the means to educate people and to keep people, you know, motivated. To keep people knowing that what you're doing is the best thing that you can ever do in your entire life when you practice Islam. Now, I want to go back to, uh, to, the, to, to, to the topic. So now when people, you know, make dua to Allah, they become Muslims, but then it becomes very... Uh, challenging to live as a Muslim And I agree It is it is a challenge sometimes But it is part of the test That's how you're going to get rewarded inshallah But then when it becomes challenging They want to walk away from Allah Allah saved you Allah saved certain things that the Terrible things that were happening in your life Allah saves you Now you turn away Or you turn back your back on Allah And you're like I'm, I'm, I'm good I don't need Islam anymore And this is what Allah is saying Whenever I protect you from my punishment, you go back. Now, Allah is not talking to all of mankind. Allah is talking to a specific group of people that they keep crying and they keep, you know, very, they're very upset. They're very sad and they keep going to Allah. Oh, Allah, we need your help. Oh, Allah, protect us. And once Allah protects them, done. Now, it's clear that Allah is saying, wait until I bring you clear smoke. Smoke that every single human being will be able to witness. Now, this verse is not a clear, for, for some scholars, not a clear evidence that it, Allah is talking about the smoke from the major signs. Now, what we know for a fact, what every single Muslim or knowledgeable Muslim knows for a fact, is that there will be a smoke Towards the end of time after, That will happen after The educated guesses It will happen after uh, The death of Jesus Christ And people losing their way Right Now the difference of opinion Is not about Whether the smoke will happen Towards the end of time Because everybody knows that This is a fact This is coming from All the authentic sources That Difference of opinion Or the debate is Does this verse is it referring to that smoke that will happen towards the end of time? And there are four opinions. Believe it or not, there are four opinions regarding the verse. Now, again, those four opinions are not saying there, won't be, there will be no smoke. No, they all know that there will be smoke towards the end of time. This is, by the way, the Prophet said, 
the day of judgment won't take place until 10 major things will happen towards the end of time. And he said, smoke that will cover the globe. So this is this this settles it. This is an authentic in Sahih Muslim, Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih al-Tirmidhi. This is like the most one of the most authentic hadith out there. It's a very famous one as well. So there is no debate about the whether there will be smoke towards the end of time as a major sign or not. No. The debate is, does that verse in the chapter of Dukhan, the cha- by the way, the word Dukhan, again, means smoke. So the chapter of the smoke, from verse number 10 to verse number uh, 16, does that address this smoke? Because again, there are four opinions. Now, let's talk about these opinions. Let's see what you know the scholars have said, and let's you know analyze it more. And there is, by the way, there is a majority of opinions. So there is one of the four opinions has the majority of the scholars agreeing on. So that means three of the opinions has the minority. less, Way less scholars than the majority of the scholars believe in one of the three uh, opinions. But the fourth opinion, which I'm going to keep it to last, this has the majority, not the unanimous consensus, but the majority, the overwhelming majority of the scholars that agree on the fourth opinion. So the first opinion is, they're saying that this smoke that the, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning in the chapter of the smoke of the Dukhan, again, all opinions, they all agree there will be smoke, a global smoke towards the end of time. Everybody agrees to that. No one is debating that, by the way. Is it, it is as explicit as it could be in Islamic theology. Again, the opinion the, the, the difference of opinion comes talking about that one specific verse. Does Allah is Allah referring that Dukhan, that that smoke? Or is Allah talking about other type of smoke alongside with the, the smoke of the Day of Judgment or you know the smoke that will happen um, with the major signs? So that is the debate. They don't know if Allah is talking about this smoke or not in this specific or in these specific verses. The first opinion is that the smoke that Allah is talking about in that verse has already happened during the conquest of Mecca. So people are saying, again, a small group of scholars, this is the minority now, are saying that no 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 the smoke we know that we agree that there is will be smoke we there's no debating that that will happen towards the end of time but we believe this is the group of scholars they're saying that we believe that this the the, the verses the from verse number 10 to 16 in the chapter of the Quran they are talking about something that already happened during the time of the prophet sallallahu when the conquest of mecca took place okay they said what there was a man by the name of Al-A'raj, okay? And that man basically said this, there was smoke on the day of the conquest of Mecca. Okay, what does that mean? Well, the Arabs used to use the word smoke, the Khan, as a metaphor of humiliation and defeat. So he said, the people of Quraysh, remember the people of Quraysh, right before the conquest of Mecca, they were disbelievers. The people who lived in Mecca, they were disbelievers. They did not believe until the conquest of Mecca, right? So the, the Al-A'raj said, that day marks the smoke. It was like a smoke for the people of Quraysh. It was like a dukhan for the people of Quraysh because they were humiliated, they were defeated by you know the conquest of Mecca. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, the conquest of Mecca took place without any you know, fight without any battles. 
Okay, so it was a psychological defeat, and it was actually a physical defeat as well because the Muslims took back the land, basically their land, the land of Mecca, because they all emigrated from Mecca to Medina, right? So the Muhajirun, the the immigrants from the the, the companions, they took back their homes. They were kicked out of their homes. They were forced to flee and leave their homes. Guys, uh, you know, bringing any there's any similarities with current situation happening with the Muslims? Come on, Palestine being kicked out of their homes anyway so they took back their uh their their, their lands they they came to the haram to the kaaba to the mecca to mecca to, you know again it was the conquest of mecca i had a whole episode about it in uh, in season number four so now al-araj is saying when this happened there was a smoke around the people of Quraysh, and that was technically a metaphor of like defeat humiliation right so now they're saying that this verse is the Allah saying, wait, uh, Allah is talking to the Prophet ﷺ, wait until the smoke comes, meaning what? Upon the people of Quraysh and they shall be defeated. And the believers will say, oh Allah, protect us from such humiliation, protect us from such defeat, right? And Allah is, again, if you want to measure the rest of the verses on this theory, yeah, okay, it could, you could see what, where they're heading here, right? Now, there is one major, major, major problem with that interpretation. And we mentioned that problem before. You cannot say Allah is using this as a metaphor without Allah telling us that it is a metaphor. Let me repeat. You can never, ever use a verse in the Qur'an and say Allah said this as a metaphor without it being an actual metaphor, like without Allah explicitly telling us, like, because Allah would say that, like, He would use the word like, kamathal in Arabic, meaning this is a metaphor for this. Or without the Prophet, because by the way, the Sunnah explains many verses in the Quran. So the Prophet would actually, because who knows the Quran better than any single human being on the face of this earth? It was the Prophet. Angel Jibreel used to come down to the Prophet and explain and does the he used to do the interpretation when it comes to the Quran with for the Prophet. The Prophet used to know the meaning of every single verse in the Quran, every single word in the Quran. So if the Sunnah said, okay, this Allah, when Allah said this, Allah meant that it was a punishment, that it was a metaphor for punishment or humiliation or you know defeat. But that is not the case. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never explicitly said that this was a metaphor. And we're not allowed to do that. By the way, this is not allowed in Islam. Which, by the way, the, the term is ta'wil. We cannot do ta'wil. Ta'wil in Arabic meaning speaking on behalf of Allah. Allah actually said that before. Man Who is this speaking on my behalf? Talking to the group of people who basically use the Quran and they say, well, Allah meant that. Oh, that was a metaphor for that. You you can't do that. It's actually not allowed in Islam. And this is not allowed, not by the scholars, by Allah himself. Do not do ta'alli upon Allah. Do not speak on behalf of Allah. If there was a metaphor, Allah would have said, kamathal or like, or Allah would have explicitly told us that was a metaphor. 
or the Prophet ﷺ in the Sunnah would have said that as well. Would have said, well, that verse, and this happened before, the Prophet ﷺ would explain certain verses in the Quran that people didn't understand the meaning of them. Now, there is no not, no such thing in the Quran nor the Sunnah that says that this was a metaphor, then we're not allowed to say that this was a metaphor. Okay? We're not allowed to say that this was a metaphor. We're not allowed to say, well, Allah must have meant that this was punishment for the people of Quraysh or humiliation for the people of Quraysh. This is a known thing in theology. Allah is direct. Allah does not need to make metaphors without telling you that they are metaphors. This is not how Allah speaks. Okay? Another thing, by the way, Al-A'raj himself, the man who made that statement, never said that this what the verse meant. He never said that, by the way. Like he never said, well, the day of the conquest of Mecca was, you know, the people of Quraysh were surrounded with a cloud of smoke. And that's what the verse was referring. He never said that. He said, yes, the day of the conquest of Mecca, the people of Quraysh were hit with, you know, a severe smoke. That's, that was, again, he, when he said it, he said it as a metaphor of humiliation and defeat. But he never brought up the verse. So you need to keep that in mind. He never brought up the verse. Those who brought up the verse are the minority of the scholars now are saying, well, if you connect the words of Al-A'raj with the verse, maybe this is it. It makes sense. But none of the companions said that this was the case. You know, Al-A'raj never said anything like that. So that was the ishtihad or, again, the the, the, the work of or the, 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 the interpretation of uh, that group of you know minor scholars. So this is the first opinion or the first imp- interpretation if you want to call it. The second interpretation is that it will be that that smoke will happen on the actual day of judgment. That smoke that's refer- again even the second interpretation is not saying that, uh, that, that this smoke, the, the smoke of the major signs, will happen actually on the day of judgment. No, they believe that the smoke that the Prophet mentioned that will happen towards the end of time in the major signs, that will happen. But they're saying that the smoke being referred to in the Quran, in those verses, that one is a different smoke that will happen on the day of judgment. Okay? Now, they're saying, and, and if you think about it, Allah is saying, wait for taqib. Just wait for the smoke to come. And it will be a punishment for the disbelievers. Now, what's going to happen on the Day of Judgment? The hellfire will be brought in. I'm, I'm going to get into that, inshallah, when we, inshallah, probably most likely in in uh, next season, because that the, inshallah, the Day of Judgment will be massive. But for now, one of the things that will happen on the Day of Judgment is that the, the hellfire itself, like it's not like we're going to be resurrected and we're going to see hellfire. No, no, no. It will be brought to the land of gathering, to earth. Now, Allah saying in those verses, wait, because people will see the smoke. So now the, the, the scholars are saying, again, it's a minority portion of the scholars. They're saying that, oh, this is the smoke that will happen because Allah will bring in the hellfire to the land of gathering on a day of judgment. So this, is, this verse is referring to that smoke that will happen on the day of judgment. You know, the hellfire will be brought in and people will be afraid of it. And then, because again, it's fire, right? Massive, insane size, like unfathomable size of, you know, hellfire. And there will be a lot of smoke. And because it's huge and massive in size, again, it will take most of mankind. 
Can you imagine? Most of mankind will live, unfortunately, will live in hellfire. So this is like bigger than, I'm assuming, this planet, if you think about it, right? And we have actually a description of the size. We're going to talk about that later. But anyway, so because it's massive in size, the smoke coming out of hellfire will cover the entire globe on the Day of Judgment. So this is their basically interpretation to those verses that, okay, makes sense, you know, that if this will happen on the Day of Judgment. And it makes sense that Allah is talking, that it, because guess what? On the Day of Judgment, who's going to be thrown in hellfire? Those who died upon disbelief, the disbelievers. So Allah is saying, I'm going to bring that smoke as a punishment for the disbelievers. Meaning what? While they're waiting for their punishment to be thrown in hellfire, the smoke in itself will be punishment for them. Because when they're waiting for their punishment, they'll, they'll realize this smoke that we're looking at, yeah, this is from hellfire that we will be, uh, we're about to be thrown at. So this is in itself a mental punishment for them, followed by the actual physical punishment, which is being basically thrown in hellfire. So that's a second opinion. Now, what is the problem with that opinion? The verse, the verses, within these verses, what did the believers say? What did they say? Oh Allah, protect us from such punishment. Remove the punishment from us. So you have Ibn Mas'ud, by the way, the Ibn Mas'ud is the famous companion that uh, the Prophet said, if you want to hear the Quran as if it was revealed, hear it from Ibn Mas'ud. The Prophet, when, whenever he would recite the Quran, this is the way, this is the the, the, the tilawa or the melody or, you know, the the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke it to Angel Jibreel. And this is the way that Angel Jibreel spoke it to the Prophet So the Prophet when he recited the Quran, of course, unfortunately, we cannot hear that recitation because the Prophet doesn't, you know, live with us anymore. But uh, if you ever wanted to hear the Quran as if it was revealed, because, you know, there's a lot of tilawas, right? That tilawa is an, uh, a way of... Uh, reciting the Qur'an, a melody, a, a, different melodies and different ways and different voices. But of course, the authentic, the original voice is who? The Prophet ﷺ, because he recited it as the, the same way that Angel Jibreel did. And of course, this is the same way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, said it to Angel Jibreel. So the Prophet ﷺ is commenting, uh, when it, uh, talking about Ibn Mas'ud. So he's saying that if you want to hear Qur'an as if it was revealed, meaning the same way that I recite it, hear it from Ibn Mas'ud. He used to be a copy from the Prophet ﷺ when it came to the recitation of the Quran. So anyway, Ibn Mas'ud had an opinion about this, uh, you know, this interpretation, which shows you that the interpretation is old. This has it's been since the time of the companions, right? So Ibn Mas'ud said what, and it's a very actually a legitimate argument. Why would Allah punish the believers on the day of judgment? The believers, we all know that will be protected on the Day of Judgment by the angels. So why would the believers worry about the smoke coming from hellfire? Again, think about it. We know that on the Day of Judgment, the angels will be protecting the believers from all the insanity that we will see. We're going to see terrifying things on the Day of Judgment. And I'm going to get into it. I know I keep teasing, but inshallah, this is coming very soon, inshallah, in the next season. But again, we're going to be seeing insane things. Wallahi. Our minds, we won't be able to handle it. And because we won't be able to handle it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send angels to every single believer to calm them down, to protect them and tell them, don't worry, this is not for you. This is for the disbelievers. 
right? So Ibn Mas'ud is making a very valid argument. Why would the believers be scared on the day of judgment from the smoke when they are already protected by the angels? And why would Allah say, I'm going to remove the punishment? And you guys going to come back and become disbelievers. Talking to the disbelievers, of course. Because both believers and disbelievers will ask Allah to protect them from this. Both, by the way. The disbelievers will also say, oh Allah, protect us. So Allah is now addressing the disbelievers and Allah is saying, if I remove this, you will come back to your disbelief. That's what Allah will tell the disbelievers. This is in the Quran, in, in verse number 16, in the chapter of Dukhan. Innakum aidun, You will come back to your disbelief. Now here's the big problem. And this is what Ibn Mas'ud is talking about. After the day of judgment, once the day of judgment takes place, there is no coming back to disbelief nor belief. Do, do you guys understand? If you doubt upon disbelief, you'll stay that way. If you doubt upon belief, you'll stay that way. So why would Allah say, Oh, I'm going to remove this from you. I'm going to protect you from this, but I know that you're going to come back to your disbelief. It does not make any sense for Allah to say this on the day of judgment. Because again, on the day of judgment, it is what it is. Whatever you've done, that's it. You cannot come back to this life. There's no repentance. There is no nothing. So Ibn Mas'ud is saying this interpretation does not make any sense. It does not make any sense. Because Allah, again, this smoke, if this is truly smoke on the day of judgment... First of all, the believers won't be afraid. Second of all, Allah would not address the disbelievers and say, well, I'm going to save you now and you're going to repent, but then later on, you will come back to your disbelief. There's no repentance on the day of judgment. Repentance is in this life before you die. That's it. There's no repentance on the day of judgment. So again, this is a very, very valid argument and very valid reason why the second opinion is also very weak. It does not make any sense. Let's move on to the third opinion. The third opinion is saying that this is something that already happened when the Prophet ﷺ made a dua against the people of Quraysh. When they were like cutting off, like making people basically, uh, forcing people to not help them. Forcing Again, it seems very similar. And not that I'm saying like today's Muslims are comparable to the companions. Of course not. We're not. No matter how much of believers we become, we can't be compared to the elites of the believers, which are the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. But I'm saying there are some certain similarities. You know, we're gonna we're gonna cut off ties with everybody. You know, there was like um, boycotting with anybody who would literally uh, deal with Muslims. They they will they, the people of Quraysh would boycott that person or boycott that group, and it was very severe. So the Prophet ﷺ made dua against the people of Quraysh. So after the Prophet ﷺ made that dua against the people of Quraysh, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hit them with drought and starvation. They could not eat. There was no plantation. There was no water. There was no rain in, in the sky. There was no rain in the sky. And because of that, the people of Quraysh, whenever they would walk in the street, they would imagine because of, it's it's a, some sort of illusion, you know, from, you know, from hunger, from being thirsty, they would imagine that there is smoke everywhere. And they used to say that. That's how we know about it. They used to say there's like smoke everywhere. But this was an illusion because nobody else saw it except for those who were hungry from the people of Quraysh and thirsty. And they kept imagining that there is smoke that's everywhere around them. And of course, that has the same problem of the first opinion, which is what? That Allah used this verse as a metaphor. 
and Allah does not use metaphors unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that this was a metaphor. So that falls into the same issue with the first opinion that this was just pure metaphor. And of course, as we know, it does not work. And that brings us to the final opinion, the fourth opinion, which basically the overwhelming majority of the scholars agree on, which is what? That this verse is talking about the same smoke that the Prophet ﷺ told us about, which is the smoke or the global smoke that will happen towards the end of time, which is one of the 10 major signs. That is, that again, the overwhelming majority. As a matter of fact, Ibn Kathir, the, the most famous interpreter of the Quran, that was his opinion. He's like, it's, it makes perfect sense. Now, let's talk about, this is the now what we're talking about today, which is the fourth opinion, which is, again, the overwhelming majority of the scholars agree on. And it, honestly, it makes perfect sense. We already know the problems with the other, you know, the previous three opinions. Now, this one makes way more sense. Now, the global smoke, now we're describing the actual smoke. This is not an opinion. This is fact, what I'm about to tell you. The opinion is, is that verse uh, talking about the same smoke that will happen uh, as part of the 10 major signs. That is the opinion. But what I'm about to tell you is a fact. This is a description by the Prophet ﷺ from all the books of, you know, Sirah on authentic ahadith talking about the description of the smoke. It will cover the entire world. This is a hadith by the Prophet ﷺ. It will cover the entire world world for 40 days and that will include believers and disbelievers okay that includes the, the basically again the whole globe the entire world will witness this now again like i said whether the entire world lives in the middle east or some people are scattered around the world we don't know the status or the geographical status of people at the time but what we know is the entire world will witness the smoke for 40 days. Now, here's the thing. It will be very clear and it will, won't be just in the sky. It will be everywhere in the streets. It's going to basically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Yagshanes. Yagshanes means it will envelope people. It will surround them. It will be everywhere around. It will basically surround them from everywhere. So it's not just, it's not like people look up the sky and they're going to see smoke in the sky. No, no, no. This is going to happen and it's going to be everywhere around you. You're going to walk in the streets and there's smoke everywhere. You're going to go home, you're going to cough that smoke and we're going to get to that in a second. The smoke will it will be everywhere. Not just in the, in the sky, okay? So that is uh, another thing that it will be everywhere. Now, for the believers, it'll be like some symptoms of the flu. Uh, the Prophet said like zukam Right, like a, literally, the word zakam is flu, which basically they will make you sneeze a lot and you'll cough a lot from the smoke. That's 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 basically how the believer will feel about the smoke. Now, the disbelievers or the evil doers, right, the, the 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 evil Muslims, the oppressors, will feel like because of that smoke, they will feel like they were they are drunk. They will feel like they're drunk. Their mind is not there. They're absent-minded. And because of that smoke, inhaling that smoke will cause that, will have this effect. It's like they're alive and not alive at the same time. It's going to be, that's the punishment right there, right? And look at this. This is a crazy description, Wallahi. The smoke will enter their brains and will cause massive burning. 
in other wordings, the Prophet said, it's going to be like boiling. Imagine this, like their brains, will feel, it's as if their brains are boiling from the burning. You know, when you have something, I don't know, depends, sometimes when you have severe severe sickness or you have severe flu or severe like a uh, virus, you feel like your brain is just burning up. That's exactly how they're going to feel and it's going to be massive. And then the smoke will, once the smoke enters their brain, that's how they're going to feel, like burning in their brains. And then it will exit out of their ears, their nose, even, you know, their, their bottom holes. It's going to exit from every hole that they have, basically. Imagine this, it's painful in their entire bodies. The whole body will be in pain and burning because of that uh, that smoke. You know, the hadith uh, the, by the Prophet said what? يَهِيجُ الدُّخَانُ Dukhan, the smoke, will be everywhere and it will envelope everybody. It will surround all of mankind. فَأَمَّا الْمُؤْمِنِ فَيَأْخُذُهُ كَالزُّكْمَةِ وَأَمَّا الْكَافِرِ فَيَنْفُخُهُ حَتَّى يَخْرُجْ مِنْ كُلِّ مَسْمَعٍ مِنْهِ it will also make the disbelievers bloated with smoke from the inside. Imagine, wallahi, what kind of punishment is that? And again, no one can escape it. If you're a believer on Allah knows, this is now, Allah knows. If you're a believer, if you're a hypocrite, if you're an oppressor, if you're a disbeliever, doesn't matter what you're going to claim, this smoke will be targeting people's intentions and how people live their lives. And the Prophet said, Kazukma for the believer. It's kind of like you're having a slight, by the way, slight flu symptoms, like coughing, sneezing. That's about it for the believers. And for the disbelievers, it's massive, it's burning. It's going to be bloated from the inside. It's going to burn your entire body, and you're going to feel like you're drunk. Now, even though this will be like a slight um, uh, flu symptoms that the believers will have. The believers will still make dua. Oh Allah, just remove this from us. Protect us from this because again, it's scary. Imagine you're living in a world filled with smoke. Right? And that's that's what actually is going to happen towards the end of time. Now, the fourth opinion is, this is the same as the, the verse uh, of the chapter of Dukhan. Makes sense, honestly. It makes sense. And I agree with the majority of the scholars here that it makes sense that this is describing what Allah is saying in the uh, chapter of Dukhan, verse number 10, all the way to verse number uh, 16. This makes sense to me. But again, whether this is the verse or not, and again, with the majority of the scholars, that that's what makes perfect sense. Because again, the problems with the other three opinions are very problematic. They, they contradict certain rulings in theology, which does not make any sense. However, this is what's going to happen. The Prophet described exactly what's going to happen um, on, you know, towards the end of time when the smoke comes and surrounds every living creature, basically. Now, this opinion, right, the the that the verses of the chapter of Dukhan are referring to the smoke that will, the global smoke that will come towards the end of time. It's not just the opinion of the classical scholars of our time or the classical scholars of you know many generations before. It's also the opinion of the companions. The majority of the, the, again, the overwhelming majority of the companions had the same opinion. Like Umar ibn al-Khattab, Ali ibn Abi Talib, Ibn Abbas, Abi Sa'id al-Khudri, and Abu Huraira himself, the biggest narrator of the hadith, Abu Huraira, right? That was, the, when they were asked about this, 
they were very firm. This verse addresses what's going to happen when it comes to the 10 major signs. So again, the majority of the scholars, they uh, believe in this opinion that this verse is referring to the incident that will happen towards the end of time. Now, another hadith uh, uh, that the Prophet basically told us about was that he said that towards the end of time, again, to prove to you that uh, the Prophet never gave a, uh, a chronological order for the signs. He said, towards the end of time, the gel will come out. The beast will come out. We're going to talk about the beast. And the smoke will come out. And then he explained the smoke. He said what? Again, or kazukma, like we said. Uh, this is a different, by the way, this different wording of the hadith. That believers will feel like it's a, a flu. And al-kafir, the disbeliever, will feel like they are burning up. Right? From it. Then he started moving on to other signs. So that is as clear as, you know, subhanAllah, uh, as, it's very clear in the sunnah and very clear in the tafsir of the Qur'an itself. Again, the most famous interpreter of the Qur'an, Ibn Kathir, says that this verse is referring to what's going to happen towards the end of time. So that is regarding the smoke. To conclude this part, we need to understand that we should do everything. The Prophet actually said this. Compete or hurry up to do goodness in the world before certain things happen. And from them, the Prophet said, the smoke. Before you see the smoke. We really do not want to see Allah's punishment you know, upon us. Even if we're going to feel like you know, it's going to be a flu symptoms for us. It's scary. This is, like I said, a cataclysmic sign. This is not a sign that we can control. These are not people. This is nature now. Allah is basically using nature to send us the final signs of the Day of Judgment. We need to wake up. We need to think about our own actions before it's too late. And again, don't think, okay, well, this is going to happen way far in the future. It's not, it's not going to happen in my time. I know it. Well, first of all, you do not know that. Right, we said that this could happen literally anytime. You know, like Al Mahdi could show up tomorrow because there is injustice in the world. And based on the hadith of the Prophet, Al Mahdi will come after great injustice happening in the world. Come on, look around you. Look around you. You cannot deny the amount of injustice by those who are in power around the world. You cannot deny that. People who are in power are just the, simply the oppressors. Not all of them, but the majority of them. That's That was the prediction of the Prophet ﷺ. He said this is going to happen towards the end of time. And when injustice becomes really the common thing in the world, the common practice, Al-Mahdi will show up. I'm not saying Al-Mahdi will show up today. I'm not saying Al-Mahdi will show up in our lifetime. I, I don't know. I simply do not know. And I cannot claim something I do not know. I'm just saying... Injustice, like great injustice is happening right now. So maybe he'll show up, maybe not. But like I always say, you do not have to wait for the Mahdi. You can wake up, look at your actions, encourage goodness and justice and forbid evil. Like it's, it's mind-blowing, the amount of injustice that's happening right now. 
You have people who are, again, in power, politicians, people in the media, even like, you know, major, you know, uh, owners of major brands and major companies are supporting genocide. Why? Because, you know, they're, they're, they're Palestinians, they're Muslims, they're, they don't matter that much. They're not saying that out loud, but it is reality to them. That is why they are supporting genocide and they'll never call it genocide. And people can't fathom what's happening. People cannot comprehend this. Non-Muslims, specifically non-Muslims who are, you know, have goodness in their heart. Non-Muslims who have humanity in their heart. Those who are still human beings. They look at the actions of, you know, politicians. And you can see it everywhere. Like you go, uh, you see online, like they're going to, you know, offices of the, you know, political represent, you know, representers and they go and trying to talk to them and they protest in front of their offices. And you know what? They're not responding. Those political, those representatives or those political figures, they did no comment. And when they make a comment, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's the most ridiculous comment that, you know, a man in power or a woman in power can make. And again, specific, and um, some Muslims, they can't fathom it, but the majority of non-Muslims are like, how is this being allowed? How is this happening in the world? And those people are given a platform, but when people who are dying and losing their lives are upset and sad, they're not giving any platform. Well, we know this was going to happen. Again, that's one of the things that the, why the Prophet ﷺ told us about the major signs. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed the Prophet ﷺ to tell us about the major signs. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to inform us about the major signs or the, 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 the signs of the Day of Judgment in general, whether they're minor or, or major. We said this in the beginning. We said why. One of the reasons why is when we see something like this happening, we say, subhanAllah, Allah told us this was going to happen. And it was inevitable. Like Allah told us, it's inevitable. Do your best to fight it. Like, I don't want also the mentality of, well, this is going to happen and there's injustice in the world, so I'm just going to sit and watch because Allah said it was going to happen. No, Allah says it was going to happen and you will be rewarded when you try to stop it. Now, whether it gets stopped in our lifetime or not, this is up to Allah. That's the attitude of a believer, by the way. You try your best to fight for justice. You try your best to stand against injustice and leave the result up to Allah. You cannot control, by the way, you cannot control the result. All you have to do as a human being is to do your best. But it's, it's insane what's happening. Like hypocrisy is people are losing their jobs. I know I've been saying this for the past couple of episodes, but it's, it's reality. It's never stopped. It's still happening. People are being called out for, you know, uh, standing against genocide. And people are just watching the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy, it's unbelievable. But again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us this was going to happen. Remember, if you go back to the minor signs, uh, I think it was the last season. Listen to that episode and I explicitly, this was all before all of this happened. Subhanallah. Because we get our information from Quran and Sunnah. Guess what? What I told you last year, it's happening right now. And it could get worse, by the way. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry to say that, but it could get worse. Injustice might spread even in, 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 in a crazier way. You never know. What gives us solace at the end of the day is 
the Prophet ﷺ told us this was going to happen. SubhanAllah. Like you see the ugliness of certain people. You see how mankind could be that. That's what the, by the way, that's what the angels were talking about. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them he was going to create Adam, they said, oh Allah, but they will spill blood and they're going to be okay with it. They're going to spread corruption. You remember that verse? Chapter Baqarah, verse number 30. Remember? وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً قَالُوا أَتَجْعَلُوا فِيهَا Look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I'm going to create basically Adam and, and his progeny, mankind, right? So they responded, أَتَجْعَلُوا فِيهَا مَنْ يُفْسِدُ فِيهَا وَيَسْفِكُ الدِّمَاءِ Oh Allah, they were not questioning Allah. They were just wondering. We, we mentioned this and we analyzed that verse before many times actually. They were wondering, oh Allah, why would you create someone with a freedom of choice who have tendencies? Those people have tendencies to corrupt and kill one another. Now, angels did not see the future. I also mentioned that before. So how did they know that mankind will do this? Because of the jinn. And that, that's, by the way, the, the unanimous consensus of the scholars is that they looked at what the, because the jinn species, they also have the freedom of choice. Right? So they looked at that and then they said, well, human beings will be similar. And that's exactly what's happening. So when the angels said, those who will kill one another and spread corruption on earth, what you're seeing right now from our politicians, what you're seeing right now from our people in power who are not condemning genocide, those are the people the angels spoke about. Those are the people that the angels were worried about. Those are the people. Subhanallah. Quran, man. Wallahi, Quran is beautiful. It tells you everything you need to know about mankind, about the hereafter, about everything you need to know. But then Allah said, what? I know what you do not know. Meaning what? Well, yeah, there will, there will be corrupt people. That's why the majority of mankind will enter hellfire. Unfortunately, but it's reality. However, from those people, from mankind, there will come the best of people, the best of characters, the best of mannerisms, prophets, messengers, believers, companions, Muslims, those who encourage goodness, those who forbid evil. Those people, it's worth it. Basically, Allah is saying it's worth it for them to be honored. But there are there is evil in the world. You see it on TV now. You see it in the media. You see it in you know political outlets, and you see you see all of this. This is pure. They're not even hiding it anymore. And it's reality. It's reality. Some people are still shocked. Well, I've talked to uh, some of my friends. They can't believe what they're watching on TV. When people come out and be like, "No, no, 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 we're not gonna cease fire. No, 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 no. we're not gonna do that." They need to learn a lesson. Or, oh no, those people, why why can't, you know, uh, other Arab countries, by the way, Arab countries, those who are doing nothing are worse than anybody else. They're more guilty than, you know, Western countries who are supporting genocide. Because those are your brothers and sisters in Islam. And you just chose, you know, economical deals. That's That's better for you than, and I'm not saying, again, it's, they should not go to any other country. That's their land. 
That's even a ridiculous question. I see people say asking that. What about Arab countries? Why can't the Arabs take them? Why should they? I'm, again, I'm, I'm being very honest here. They are mistaken and they will be held accountable in the sight of Allah on the day of judgment if they don't do anything. Those other, you know, Arab political leaders, they will be held accountable. However, that question in itself is ridiculous. It's like me going into someone's house, beating them, punishing them, you know, damaging their house. And then I look at the neighbors like, why can't you take them? It's your fault that you can't take them in your house. Do you understand? This is the most ridiculous argument I've ever heard about this topic. You know, like you going, beating someone up in their own house, and then you're blaming it on the neighbor. Why can't you take them in your house? And again, it all goes back to injustice. It's happening, and it's blatant right now. It's everywhere. People are trying to stop it. Will they be successful? Will we be successful in speaking up? It's up to Allah. But Allah has a plan. I just also want to you know, get this part out of the way. Allah told us about this. Allah told us that injustice will spread. Corruption will spread. And you can see it. It runs deep, Wallahi. It runs deep. Deeper than we've ever thought. But also Allah tells us what? It will come to an end. It will come to an end. Just be patient. Allah is saying, just be patient. Do your best. Do what you can in your own platform. And be patient and trust in Allah's results. Trust in the outcome. This is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the ultimate just. So Allah might allow injustices in this world, and you can obviously see it because everything happens in this world is by a permission from Allah. Allah allows certain things to happen, evil to happen. Allah allows it. Allah is never the source of evil. We know that for sure. It's a hadith by the Prophet by the way. Only goodness comes from Allah. Evilness, Allah allows it. It comes from us. Human beings, by the way, and Satan, of course. The the you have the allies of Satan and and his followers, right? But evilness comes from mankind, and Allah allows it for certain wisdom. But on the day of judgment, yeah, Allah, that's it. And right now, what we're talking about, like the smoke, for example, this is now Allah is showing those who have been oppressing people. Those who committed injustice against people and against themselves by not being believers, by not following Allah's commands. What we're talking about right now in terms of like the global smoke that will, you know, be everywhere. This is a punishment from Allah, a clear punishment from Allah for those people. However, we don't want to wait for that to happen. We don't. Better yourself. Educate people on Islam. Like again, subhanAllah, there is a beautiful side of what's happening as, as terrible and as horrible as the situation has been. Look at the flip side now. People are coming to Islam like I've never witnessed in my life. Just people embracing Islam. This is beautiful. This is Allah telling us they could spend billions of dollars. They can spend all the money in the world. They can print money, print out money, and spend it to attack Islam and Muslims. They'll never be able to diminish the light of Islam. Billions of dollars have been spent 
to diminish the Muslims, to smear what Muslims are like, to paint a certain picture. Billions of dollars. And guess what the billions of dollars have done? Brought people to Islam. With this propaganda, false propaganda, people started questioning. Allah used their money against them. Can you see that? It's the beauty, wallahi, of our religion. That we can see things clearly. Some people are, you know, still discovering the reality of the world. We as Muslims, educated Muslims in specific, who've been prepared for this mentally at least. Allah says this is going to happen. Now, before we move on to the next uh, three signs, actually, we'll combine them all in one topic, but it's actually three signs, the, 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 the upcoming three major signs. I, I have a fun fact for you guys regarding the smoke. That verse, يَوْمَ تَأْتِي السَّمَاءُ بِدُخَانٍ مُبِينٍ Remember when we talked about the person or the companion, but he was not a companion at the time, by the name of Ibn Sayyad, for those who remember the name. Ibn Sayyad was the one that the companions were suspecting that he was the Antichrist. I hope that, you know, clicks or, you know, rings a bell. Ibn Sayyad was that companion who, who, who he was a Jewish rabbi or a Jewish person who was communicating with the jinn. That's how he knew a lot of the unseen, a lot of the things. You know, remember he used to like tell the person, I know this and I know that. Some of the things he would say will be true, some are not. That Ibn Sayyad, that man, that again, the companions later on after the death of the Prophet were worried about him. They're like, we believe that this is the Antichrist. That's the Dajjal, right? So that verse, remember the Prophet wanted to test him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent verses to the Prophet وسلم, And then he sent a companion and he said, ask Ibn Sayyad about those verses. He said, ask Ibn Sayyad. Uh, the Prophet wanted to make sure, is he the Antichrist? Or is he just communicating with the jinn and committing kufr, basically committing disbelief? by Because we know that, how would he know the verses by communicating with the jinn? Do you guys remember? This is mentioned in the chapter of Mulk, by the way. The jinn used to hear the commands coming down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah allowed them to do that. We talked about this at nauseum in the series of the jinn. And they used to go back to their helpers from the humans. And for a price, not, of course not money, a price in certain rituals, certain things, certain praise, they would give them that information. Okay? With the sending of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, Allah used to allow that before. When the Prophet وسلم, became a prophet, what happened? Every time they try to eavesdrop, Allah will send a shooting star to burn them. Allah also allows some of them to escape that shooting star or to basically go safely without completing whatever they were you know, eavesdropping on or listening to. Now, Ibn Sayyad used to communicate with the jinn, Right? Now the Prophet wanted to make it clear Is he actually Because Allah did not say anything to the Prophet And Allah didn't address every single thing that happened To the Prophet We know that um, So the Prophet didn't know Is that the Antichrist Or he is truly just communicating with the jinn Which in that case makes him a disbeliever So The verses There were verses that came down to the Prophet And he sent a companion to go to Ibn Sayyid And he said the Prophet said to the companion, go ask him about the verses. If he tells you the full verses, then we have a problem. But if he doesn't know the verses, then he's just an imposter. He's just a mini Dajjal, a mini, basically, imposter. So 
this happens and then the companion goes to Ibn Sayyid and asks him what was just revealed to the Prophet ﷺ to test him and the verses were these verses the verses of Dukhan the verses of the smoke subhanallah it's a full circle now right full circle subhanallah so Ibn Sayyid said look at this yawma ta'ti as-sama'u bidukh and stopped now the verse says yawma ta'ti as-sama'u bidukhanin mubin to the end of the verses now Ibn Sayyid did not can, did not finish his word cuz he didn't know he said it's something like yawma ta'ti as-sama'u bidukh bidukh and i don't know the rest that's basically what he said the companion went back to the Prophet and the Prophet realized what happened. What happened was the jinn was eavesdropping, and again, Allah allowed that for His own wisdom. The jinn was the jinn that was communicating with Ibn Sayyid. He was eavesdropping, and when the word Dukhan is about to be fully said, a shooting star came and basically made the jinn escape to Earth and go to Ibn Sayyid. So he was afraid of the. Uh, shooting star and he went back to Ibn Sayyid and told him that's all I know and he didn't even finish the word of Dukhan so the Prophet said this is a many again even though the Prophet knew that this was not the Antichrist there was not a single clear confirmation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly so the Prophet could not say it as an absolute thing right there was no like this is not the Antichrist and that's what led the companions to still doubt that this might be the Antichrist because there's no clear text from the Prophet ﷺ nor from Allah that this is, was not the Antichrist. But as we know, Ibn Sayyid later on became a Muslim. He actually converted to Islam and he took the shahada. He truly became one of the believers. He was still odd. He was still doing, remember we talked about it. We had a whole episode about it. And uh, But he, uh, he, he made a valid point for those who thought he was the Antichrist. He said, the Antichrist will be born and will live his life as a disbeliever. I'm not. I am a companion like you. I pray five times a day. And of course, there were also other stuff like he had kids and all these things because the Antichrist won't have kids. And uh, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, after all this, the companions started to warm up to him and they're like, you know what? You have a point. But then he said, I know who is the Antichrist. I know where he is and I know what's going to happen exactly. And everybody's like, all right, now you're creeping us out. Let's not do this. And then eventually, actually, Ibn Sayyid disappeared. He completely disappeared. He didn't die with them in Medina or anything like that. He completely disappeared. And until this day, Ibn Sayyid is still considered to be a very big question mark. But the majority of the scholars, they believe that he was a mini Dajjal, which is an imposter. The Prophet said there will be 30 Dajjals, 30 imposters. Uh, Number 30 will be the major one, the Antichrist. But there will be 29 of them who will communicate with the jinn and pretend that they are they know the future and all these things. So the majority of the scholars believe, again, for very logical, big proof that uh, Ibn Sayyad was just a mini imposter. So it's just very interesting. Uh, but anyway, going back to, so this was, uh, this basically summarizes the Dukhan, the, the, the smoke. Now we need to move on to the next uh, three actually major signs all at once. Which, uh, again, there are still cataclysmic signs. There are signs of nature, right? And th- there will be, the Prophet said, there will be thalath khusuf. Now, the word khusuf here means landslides, or more accurately, it's collapses. Earth will collapse. 
and swallow everything on its surface. Okay? Uh, some scholars, they call it the three earthquakes, but actually, if you follow the correct Arabic interpretation, it's not a zelzala. Zelzala in Arabic means a zilzal, which is an earthquake. It's not. The Prophet never said it was an earthquake. It was a collapse by earth, or earth will collapse, or a landslide is actually more accurate than an earthquake. But if you want to, the accurate uh, description, it is a collapse in earth. So, the Prophet said, the Day of Judgment, again, when he mentioned the 10 signs, he said, there will be three signs that are basically from the same category, which is three landslides. Each one that will take place is a sign in itself, a major sign in itself. The first one will happen in the East. The Prophet said, Bil Mashriq in the East. Now, the scholars have differed. Is it in the east, you know, the hemisphere of the world? Or is it east of the Arabian Peninsula? And the reason why, we're going to talk about that in a second, then the second one is a major landslide or a major collapse that will happen in the west. Then the third collapse will happen in the Arabian Peninsula. So that's what made the, the, the scholars believe that what's meant here could be, and again, nobody is... Like there's no definitive answer. It could be the entire globe, the east of the globe, or the west of the globe, and then one in the Arabian Peninsula. Some people or some scholars, they believe, no, maybe it is the east of the, uh, the Arabian Peninsula or the west of the Arabian Peninsula, then the Arabian Peninsula itself. Now, it doesn't matter where, because what we know is that it's going to be global. It will be felt by all of mankind. Now, those who will be affected, those who will be swallowed in it, not all of mankind. It was going to happen in three different occasions. But the effect of it will be known globally. Okay? Like I said, all the major signs are global signs. The, the whole world, all of mankind will witness those signs. So it makes sense that it will be all, all the three, you know, collapses will be global and will be felt. Now, when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this, he said, وَثَلَاثْ خُسُوفْ خَصْفٌ بِالْمَشْرِقِ وَخَصْفٌ بِالْمَغْرِبِ وَخَصْفٌ بِجَزِيرَةِ الْعَرَبِ وَجَزِيرَةِ الْعَرَبِ Basically saying there will be a collapse in the east, collapse in the west, and one in the Arabian Peninsula. One of the companions asked, Wait, will there be believers then? And the Prophet ﷺ said, نعم, yes. So the companion said, how, how, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish everyone, including the believers like that? Very valid question. Look at what the Prophet said. إِذَا ظَهَرَ الْخَبَثِ إِذَا ظَهَرَ الْخَبَثِ In other wording, إِذَا ظَهَرَتَ الْقِنِيَاتُ وَالْمَعَازِفُ وَشُرْبُ الْخُمُورِ The Prophet said, this will happen. And by the way, this applies to today's world, by the way. There could be punishment. And believers could be in that punishment. When corruption spreads, when basically corruption becomes out of control. Once this happens, now the believers could try their best not just to practice, to have the world become a better place, right? To try to forbid evil and encourage goodness. That's if they can. But those Muslims who are like, I don't care what's happening in the world. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to share my knowledge. I'm not going to speak against evil. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. 
yeah, you did nothing to protect yourself from Allah's wrath. Here's the catch, though. Here's the interesting part. When the believers die in that land, in those three, whoever dies in those three collapses, it's not a punishment for them. They will be die. They will be dead as martyrs. They will be resurrected with great rewards. This actually happened. The Prophet mentioned this. Remember, we said when Al Mahdi will come out and he will and we announce as Al Mahdi and people, you know, will have to go and pledge allegiance to Al Mahdi. What's going to happen? The certain Muslim countries will send an army to go and attack Al Mahdi and kill him. And this will be. We talked about this Will mark the return of the supernatural Because globally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command earth to split open Basically a collapse that will happen in earth And it will again, And it will swallow that army And they will disappear Now remember When the Prophet the wife of the Prophet asked him Hey now remember when uh, the wife of the Prophet Zainab, or I believe Aisha, one of them, asked him uh, when he mentioned this hadith, what about the believers? Like were they all disbelievers and all wanted to kill al-Mahdi? The Prophet said, no, some of them were forced. They could not do anything but to follow orders. And they were hated this and they were so saddened by this. And when they are resurrected, they will be resurrected based on their intentions. Basically, it's not a punishment for them. This could be a good thing. Same thing. When we talk about the three major collapses, believers and disbelievers will be swallowed. For the disbelievers, it is a punishment from Allah. For the believers, because we don't care about this life, the hereafter is far better. It will be as actually a reward and a mercy that they will die. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect them based on their deeds, how they, you know, their intentions, their deeds. So this is not a problem, inshallah, for the believers. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used earth collapsing as a punishment actually numerous times. Like I said, the, the time of the Mahdi, this will happen in the future, inshallah. Those who are trying to kill al-Mahdi, Allah will use that. And talking about Qarun, Qarun is the, the man that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a lot of wealth and he was technically a dictator or tyrant. He did not want to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of Qasas verse number 81, Allah literally commanded earth to split open, swallow him, his big mansion, and he went all inside of earth. Done, died. That is a type of punishment. As a matter of fact, the Prophet ﷺ used to make dua against basically asking Allah's refuge from major collapses or just a collapse in earth that will you know kill the believers. The Prophet ﷺ would say what? Allahumma hafadni min bayni yadayya wa min khalfi wa an yameeni wa an shimali wa min fawqi wa a'udhu bi azamatika an ughtala min tahti. By the way, this is one of the morning athkar that we learned, remember? The, the, the morning remembrance of Allah, the morning dhikr. This dua is right there, is one of them. Okay? So the Prophet ﷺ is saying basically this. Oh Allah, protect me. You know, min bayni yadayya wa min khalfi. From in front of me. In front of my hands and from my back. Oh Allah, protect me from my right side and from my left side. Basically, assign angels to protect me. And from anything that would attack me from above. And I seek refuge in your glorious self. 
in your own glory to protect me from below. And uh, basically the interpreter is saying that what, what the Prophet meant here is any land, natural landslide or any natural collapse that will take any believer or, or himself. So the Prophet was seeking refuge from that. This is a big deal. It is again, it's a punishment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, used it to punish certain people. And the Prophet also used to ask Allah to seek refuge from any type of event that will happen like that to the believers. And we should make that dua every morning and every night as well. For Allah, basically for Allah to protect us from such things. Because it is it's it's massive. And imagine whatever you see in this world, any collapse that you hear about is nothing compared to what's gonna happen on the day close to the day of judgment. And when we talk about the major signs, nothing. This will be global. It, like escaping it will be impossible. If Allah intended for you to die within this uh, collapse, you, there is no escape for you. So that is regarding the three collapses. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning us that He would use this, like we said, some of the believers will die. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, don't feel safe from me. Because I could cause earth to basically swallow you and split open and swallow you in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Those who committed major sins, those who've been committing sins, those who were disbelieving in Allah, do they think that they're secured from Allah that Allah would literally cause earth to swallow them? cause earth to split open and swallow them do you really think you're safe think about it this way my dear brothers and sisters standing on a ground is the safest thing we can feel let me repeat that standing on ground on solid ground is something that makes us by nature feel safe imagine if there's no ground if there is like shaky ground, you won't you won't feel safe. I promise you that. So Allah's saying, this is safety that is given to you by Allah, that you have earth to stand on, that you have a ground to stand on. Allah could take that away. If again, if you are worthy of Allah's wrath, and not everybody's worthy of Allah's, even if we are sinners and we try to go back to Allah, there are some sinners out there that Allah, they are worthy of Allah's wrath. And remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? His mercy precedes his punishment. Remember, we talked about this. This is Allah's rule that he's abiding by himself. However, there are people that it's too late for them to you know, be forgiven or for Allah to have mercy on them. That is someone like Qarun, someone like those uh, that army that will go and try to kill Al-Mahdi. Certain people, it's just beyond saving. They're beyond saving. And again, like I said, if believers fall into that collapse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And you will be resurrected uh, according to your deeds and how you lived your life. Now, the point that I want to go back to, circle back to, is when the Prophet said, when, when the companion asked him, would believers die? And he said, if corruption spread and it became out of control. In another wording, like we said, he said what? Ya Allah. The Prophet said when music is also out of control, when people here, meaning musical instrument, people will listen to music all the time. 
Muslims will listen to music all the time and they wouldn't even think about listening to the Quran. My dear brothers and sisters, be careful. I know that now nowadays music is everything. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go. You turn your face here, you turn your face there, it's music, music, music. The Prophet said when music becomes out of control, when people listen to music and not even think about opening the Quran or even listening to the Quran, yeah, you are now worthy of this type of punishment. Be careful. Be careful. You know, when uh, I drive the car with my, my daughters, they're five years old, and then they, they say, uh, we want music. I said, no, 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 no. You listen to the Quran. What do you mean we want music? Let me put you Quran. Quran is like music. It has melody in it. And then we recite together. Now, sometimes they really, really try so hard. And sometimes they're like, okay. My point is, teach your children that Quran is what they need to listen to, not just music. Not music. Music is all about human emotions and betrayal and all that. Really? We really don't need that. But again, the, beside the point, beside the point of what music would do, and, 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 and again, certain types of music are completely like out of control in today's world. Certain type of words are like, how are you even saying this in public? I can't even believe. But anyway, beside the point, the Prophet said, when this becomes out of control, yeah, that's it. وَشُرْبُ khumur, Being alcoholic or drinking alcohol in general. When Muslims, and unfortunately, a lot of Muslims drink alcohol, not the majority, not even close, alhamdulillah. But there's a significant amount. Very, what's the word? Very public type of Muslims, they drink alcohol. You see them on TV, you see them everywhere. And they actually are drinking. I see them, by the way, in your local places. Like, you see them. You know that those are Muslims. And the Prophet said, when that becomes also out of control, which will happen, like we said, towards the end of time, after the death of Jesus Christ, people will be out of control. People who so-called used to be Muslims, right? They will leave Islam, they will do the craziest thing, and this will be their punishment. Also, here's, here's something crazy. Because we all know that there are those Muslims exist in today's world. The Prophet said, another hadith, يَكُونُ فِي هَذِهِ أو في أمتي like the other wording from basically the Prophet saying in this ummah in this nation the Prophet is saying in this nation and scary enough this did not happen in our lifetime yet that means it's going to happen now whether the Prophet means this is a regular collapse that will happen before the major signs or the Prophet is talking about the major signs, the three collapses. We don't know this hadith, specific hadith. This could be a major collapse that will happen in today's world or a major collapse that will happen towards the end of time, towards the major signs. Uh, so the Prophet is saying, those who belie destiny, those who belie destiny, those who do not believe in destiny, are worthy of Allah's punishment when it, and this will happen to them. The Prophet said, this is not the, the fact that they are worthy. No, 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 no. The Prophet said, this will happen, but the Prophet meant my nation from Muslims. Muslims. This will happen to certain Muslims who keep on belying destiny. Now, whether this is the people of Mahdi, no, whether those people will be towards the end of time or our time, we do not know. But be careful.
That's all I'm saying. Wallahi. Now, another thing, this is very interesting hadith. مِمَّنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ يَمْشِي فِي حِلَّتِهِ تَعْجِبُهُ نَفْسُهُ and the meaning is يعني الخلياء يتباهى برجل من جمته يعني شعره إذا خصف الله به فيتجلجل إلى يوم القيامة. All right, let's dissect this. And first of all, let's um, translate it and then analyze it. The Prophet said, "From the people that will be punished with a collapse is someone who walks on earth loving how they look." They're so happy. I look so handsome. I look so beautiful. I look this. I look that, right? And they keep looking at themselves like they are better than anybody because of looks only. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ said, When someone loves how they look so much and they're not humble about it, this is actually a despise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to that person, whether him or her. So again, if a girl or a boy or a man or a woman, they like how they look so much. They think they're so beautiful. They're so quote-unquote hot, right? They're so this and they're so that. This is a sign of Allah's despise to them. Allah's despising them. Can you imagine? Now, we're not talking about any person who looks good. No, no, no. Those who are full of themselves. Those who are too arrogant about their looks. Those who think they look, they don't even have to be arrogant. Those who are not humble about, you know, the looks or what Allah has given them, right? This is a sign, a clear sign that Allah is despising them. And the Prophet ﷺ said, those type of people, they could be punished in this life like this, but some of them will be punished by a collapse in earth. And some of them, after they die a normal death, will feel like yadajaljal. They will be hitting. Imagine this. The word yatajaljal means what? Imagine you're falling and you keep hitting spots, you know, in the movies. Think any movie, for example. When someone falls off a cliff and they keep hitting rocks while they're falling, right? They keep bouncing between rocks. That's the word yatajaljal. That the person who has this trait, when they fall, they're going to keep tajaljal. They're going to keep bouncing, from one rock to another, from one piece of earth to another, while they're falling until the day of judgment, which makes you believe that those people could die a normal death. And what happens to them in the barzakh? Remember the world between worlds, if you want to call it? Remember the world of the dead? Or technically not the dead, but it's like the world where you either be punished or feel good after you are buried and you're asked the three questions. Remember that episode? In that world, some people will have certain punishments. Remember the people who commit usury? They're going to be swimming in a river or a lake of blood. Remember that? Uh, the Pharaoh, the time of Moses, he will be sent to hellfire every single day, him and his people. So, now someone who lived their lives thinking that they're so beautiful, they are the best looking people, they were arrogant about it, they were proud, you know, proud about it, and they were not humble, and they thought that they were better than other people's when it comes to looks. That's how they're going to experience the hereafter up until the day of judgment takes place. They're going to be fun. Now, some of them will actually die with a collapse, but even if they don't, this is their punishment when it comes to the barzakh. They will be bouncing, like imagine this falling and then bouncing from one part to another, like more torture basically than actually just falling. So be careful, my dear brothers and sisters. Never think that you're too good at something. Looks money-wise, character, even knowledge in a religion. 
Never let that fool you. It's all coming from Allah. Humble yourself all the time. Wallahi. You're going to live a beautiful life only if you humble yourself. Now, the Prophet wasallam said that also as, now this is minor signs, but it's one of the last minor signs, if you want to, you know, if, if you want to describe it. The increase of earthquakes. The increase of earthquakes, and we all know that this is happening right now. Now, I'm not trying to alarm you. I'm not an alarmist. I'm not saying, oh, this is the, the major signs are about to take place, where I'm just telling you what the hadith says. One of the final minor signs is the extreme increase of earthquakes, and it's been happening everywhere. During the, the, the there was actually a recent earthquake with with uh, in Afghanistan, um, a major earthquake, and nobody talked about it because everybody was you know busy talking about the Palestinian uh, situation that's happening with Israel. But during that time, and that's why unfortunately it was completely ignored by the media because again there was. The world is on a brink of war, right? So nobody covered this. But look it up. This was a massive, thousands of people, I believe, died um, from that earthquake. And again, it's an indication of the increase of earthquakes. This is Allah's sending us messages. It's about to end. So be careful. Be careful, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all and uh, keeps us steadfast. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.